Hello there, thanks for joining us on the Suffolk Money podcast. Today's edition is a recording of an interview with Hannah Huntley and with Beth Chi, who are the two sisters who run the Applaud Cafe in St Peter Street in Ipswich. They founded this several years ago as they had a shared interest in being able to deliver a superior service of coffee and of the food that goes with it. And as you'll understand as we go through, both Hannah and Beth make that really clear in our conversation. So thank you so much for joining us and uh, please enjoy the conversation with Hannah and Beth. So it's really good to be able to speak with uh, you both today, Beth and Hannah. Thank you for giving me a bit of your time. Realise it's a day off. Um, so on a day off, you're doing this. So thank you both very, very much. Um, tell us a little bit at the very start about each of you. So who should we start with? Should we start with Beth? Yeah. Hi. Before I entered the coffee shop culture, I was um, in a state agency. So I'd worked in a land agent and an estate agent um in Martlesham, Woodbridge um and I was only 20, 20 or 21 at the time um that I kind of thought oh the amount of time you spend at work you know you've really got to enjoy it enjoy what you do um and I didn't really feel that that was kind of the path I wanted to take so um I started life coaching um, and started spending a little time thinking about okay what am I actually good at what are my strengths what are my opportunities what are my options um, and that's kind of where the coffee shop dream kind of came out of really and then I think my boss was a little bit shocked when I handed my notice in at my very good job um, at the estate agents to go and work in a restaurant um, for minimum wage and um, you know just use that time to gain some experience in the industry of hospitality and um, and actually spend a lot of the spare time that I did have um, planning the business. Goodness yeah and what, what about you Hannah what was what's your background prior to starting the business? So I studied um, a degree in illustration at Cambridge School of Art. And when I came back from that, I worked as a freelance illustrator, producing illustrations for corporate companies for their branding. And whilst I was doing that was self-employed. So whilst I was doing that, I did also work in a local delicatessen that was um, also making sandwiches, using like the deli products and things like that. So I think for me, I really enjoyed being in that environment, working around food, creating products. Um, and I sort of became a bit dissatisfied with my work life because I was doing a lot of the illustration work. I was doing alone from home um, and I'm a real people person. So I wanted to be around people more. So yeah, I sort of became a bit unsure about the direction I was heading and I also had life coaching sessions with the same life coach and so in our sessions me and Beth actually did link up quite early on because we always liked the idea of a family business so I think it was in like week three of our life coaching sessions that we kind of came up with the idea of the coffee shop so it's very early on really. So when was this? How, how long back are we talking? That would be 2013. 
Oh, it would have been Board. earlier than that. Yeah, 20... 2012. 12, yeah. 2012. And how did you get on growing up? Because um, not, not all sisters and brothers get on brilliantly. Did you yeah. get on okay? Yeah, there's four years difference between us. And I think we did always get on pretty well, didn't we, on mm. the whole. And especially since we've been in business, like we do have a really strong working relationship. Like can count on one hand probably the amount of times where it's really been like where we've been at loggerheads um so it's really I think people are often quite surprised how well we do get on in business together <laughs> I think we're very very similar but I think and um, the differences that we do have complement each other very well yeah yeah and the reason why I'm saying that is because it's one thing once it's in operation but I guess the planning bit is sometimes where people can have a slightly different vision about the direction of travel so so between 2012 and then when you opened was that that was 2013 you were putting quite a lot of work together in terms of planning did that was that all fairly unified in the way you were thinking did you have were you on the same page yeah we really were I think our vision and values is what has always aligned in terms of the business I think that's probably why we have got on so well together and the things you know our personal values and the reason why we want to do the coffee shop really link up so I think also both of us naturally have different skills so that's been really helpful that we don't overlap too much like in the same area so obviously I tend to be more sort of front of house coffee and Hannah tends to be more kitchen food and cake based so we kind of have our areas that we kind of fall more naturally into as well. And did you establish those before you opened or was it just that it was apparent as you were planning that actually you know, one was slightly more interested in this and one was slightly more interested and you were happy to just let the other run with the alternative? I think it was early on because I had always been baking cakes sort of from a younger from a young age um, and then it was Beth that when we started exploring the speciality coffee scene more, it was Beth that went off to London School of Coffee to find out all about the speciality coffee scene. So, yeah, early on, wasn't it? Yeah, that became my area. And then Hannah was more food based. Yeah. Walk us through the London School of Coffee, uh, then, Beth. That just sounds to me as though it's everyone walking around with really wide eyes, yeah. um, full of caffeine. <laughs> Yeah. slightly hyper but totally obsessive well what was what was it what's it like what how long were you there what what was it all what does it involve yeah I I did three days and it was a how to how to start a coffee shop course so it was an intensive three days with a really small group um and we had I think a couple of different teachers who came along um, but the professionalism of the course was really, really good um, because, you know, some people would look at a coffee shop just being a coffee shop, you know, that's it. So actually thinking of it in when, you know, when you are in London and Norwich in these big cities and the coffee culture, it just back at that time was just spreading like wildfire. It was just, you know, really hitting off. And there's so much to the coffee industry. Um, that you can learn about and I mean it's always evolving so to, to be able to go on this course and gain that knowledge um, from people about the coffee journey um, 
and about the product itself and obviously then the business expertise around running a coffee shop um, was really crucial and gave us so much um, wealth of knowledge for us when we were planning and setting up ourselves. So did that help you make the decisions on things like your location, you know, the layout, you know, the, the menu, the, the, the drinks you served, or was that a bit further down the line? I think it gave me the initial base knowledge to have confidence of just purely about coffee because there's so much to know. I mean, I, to be honest with you, when we first came up with the idea of a coffee shop, I didn't even drink coffee. So it was just the only thing I was used to was kind of the coffee that, you know, my parents would drink at home. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't fussed about that. So it was more that when we'd kind of done our research of like visiting cities and going in and trying out a coffee in these places, the speciality coffee was something else. It was so tasty and whatever they were doing was, you know, making it so delicious. Um, and through the kind of knowledge and the tasting, um, like just became so passionate about it um, that I'm happy drinking, you know, double espressos now. I can, <laughs> I can drink quite a lot of coffee, but... <laughs> It just doesn't even affect me anymore. And Hannah, did you have the same transition of just, you know, coffee was something that other people enjoyed or have you fully embraced that further down the line now? Yeah, I think like Beth said, um, it was just such a different experience having coffee in a speciality coffee shop. You know, like the co even the coffee menu, having the flat whites and piccolos and things like that they're just such different drinks from what you could get at the time from just a standard coffee shop and the flavor of the the beans was just completely different so yeah I'd agree that previously I would have probably thought I didn't like coffee but it's just I hadn't tried speciality coffee I think kind of going on from learning at London Coffee School it was really then speaking to other people that were running a coffee shop at that time so we we tried to kind of book in as many meetings as we could with coffee shop owners of coffee shops that inspired us um and you know we'd pay them for some consultancy yeah there was one in Norwich um that was run by two girls and um they um gave us a lot of training into the running of a coffee shop the day-to-day -day running the coffee you know further training on the coffee so yeah that was great we used to drive down on a Sunday morning, make loads of coffee, you know, have loads of coffee practice, the amount of coffee we'd be drinking, and then we'd be driving home, like, <laughs> feeling ill from the caffeine. <laughs> Tell people who are listening about where you are, why you are where you are, and why that area of Ipswich is, is important to you. So we're located on St Peter's Street in Ipswich, which is the, a street full of independent businesses that links the waterfront to the town centre. So it was really important for us to be in a community of other independent businesses because that's just part of who we are like you know we're really proud to be an independent business and we love having that those neighboring relationships with other businesses that are also so passionate about what they do it's a beautiful street it's you know all the buildings are so lovely all the shopkeepers take such care over how they present themselves in the buildings so that building actually came up for set the building we're in came up for sale just as we were looking for a location 
and with its beautiful courtyard garden it was like wow like we need this place it was actually a house at the time so it was residential um so we moved in um and we lived there together um and our plan was then to convert the ground floor to um coffee shop use talk us through what, again when that happened how long it took because that to me is just fraught with all sorts of planning issues and mm. you know, what hoops did you have to jump through yeah we certainly had a few issues along the way so we moved in in November of 2012 it must have been and we finally opened in July 2013 so I guess realistically that probably was a fairly realistic timeline but we did encounter a few delays just like with planning and also like fire regulations and that kind of thing but as beth says we were living above the shop whilst all the building work was being done so that was interesting it is also a listed building so you do always yeah horrendous constrictions on what you can do and things so yeah oh goodness so what was that like opening the doors and you'll have had got all your equipment ready and what a full menu you were ready to go from day one what we were offering then was a much smaller offering than what we offer now so it's quite interesting to see how we've grown and developed our offering over the time but back then when we opened we kind of kept it small and simple to start with I guess just so we could find our feet um but I think it was the combination of our homemade cakes with the coffee which really drew customers into us how would your menu look now by comparison? Well, when we first opened, we had three items on our breakfast menu. Um, when you come in on a Saturday now, we've got an all-day breakfast menu, which is, um, you know, a lot bigger. So, you know, we started really, really simple and thought, let's start with, you know, what we know we can do well and then grow from there. So we kept it really simple to begin with. We think we had porridge, toast and... Bacon sandwich, probably. Those three items and then... It's great. Staples, yeah. <laughs> so now then, what would you have on your breakfast menu by comparison? You know, two or three things perhaps on there. So we've got American pancakes with like blueberries and bacon and maple syrup. We've got masala beans on sourdough toast, which is a really nice recipe we came across a couple of years ago. And we've also got our applaud big breakfast, which is our version of a big fry up. Goodness. So you can go all in if you want to for breakfast. Um, but obviously you have a, have a lunch menu as well. Yeah. Uh, as well as cakes and so on, which you've already uh, referred to. So um, Hannah, is that your area then from what you're talking through about uh, uh, catering and the, the food and that yes. sort of things? Yes, yeah, so I tend to oversee the menu creations. Um, along with a couple of our team members in the shop that also help to put the menus together. Um, Sophie, our kitchen leader, she also really gets a lot of input into that. We change them uh, every couple of months. So how do you go about um, looking at what's on the menu? Um, I, I, you can probably tell I, I absolutely adore food. And so I like to try just about anything in any menu. And I, I really struggle to decide what to have. So if I was the proprietor of any establishment, I would find it even harder. How do you narrow that down to the things that you think are going to work? So part of our ethos is to keep actually quite a short menu because we like to change it regularly. And also we want to like keep 
products really fresh and high quality. So we deliberately keep it quite short. So there's probably about six or seven items on the lunch menu. And we think about the seasons when we're changing the menu. We think about customer favorites because we don't have to keep coming up with new ideas all the time because customers have their favorites that they love. So there's some things which people will always find on our menu, like the avocado on sourdough with chili flakes, because if we took that off, I mean, we just have people asking for it all the time. So that's a firm favorite that's always on there. But other than that, we get inspiration from other coffee shops we go to. There was a uh, sandwich that we had when we were in a coffee shop in Edinburgh, wasn't there, that we loved. And we bought that back and put it on our menu. And yeah, customers really loved that one too. Otherwise, we're sort of always finding new ideas in like the in recipe books or, you know, the weekend papers where they share recipes. You know, we're always looking through those. How do you go through a process of deciding whether something gets added to your menu? So I guess, first of all, we come across the inspiration. Then we would try it out in our kitchen, try it out for flavour, how the recipe looks um, all that kind of thing really. Then we obviously do the taste testing and we get feedback from, from some of our staff members as well. Uh, and not every product we try in the kitchen ends up going onto the menu because we do have really high standards of what we're looking for. So it's not that everything passes that test, but those that do will then get featured on the menu. And then is there a period of time where you have to allow to see what the customer's response is to those. So, uh, you know, looking slightly gloomily, there might be something you put out there and you just don't get much take up of it at all. Um, or on the other hand, something just flies off the shelf and you think, wow, we've really struck gold on this one. Yeah, I think being a small business, that's one of the nice things is that you can just respond really quickly. So you always have to give things a little bit of time for people to have the opportunity to try them or, you know, give things a little bit of a time and yeah being a small business if something isn't working we can just decide to pull it and change you know there's nothing mm. wrong with trying things so I think that's really important mm. and let's um talk coffee for a while then Beth so yeah. your your area of expertise so how do you source where you you get your coffee from um so that was a bit of research we'd done before we opened so we visited three roasteries uh, and tasted the coffee with them and decided which roaster we were going to have um, supply our beans. And um, we had two favourites. So one was in London and one was um, Butterworth and Son in Bury St Edmunds. And uh, we really enjoyed the flavour of both exactly the same. So we decided to choose the local one and um that is yeah rob butterworth at butterworth and son and um, they've got a great team there um tom their head roaster super passionate as well um rob goes out and visits the farmers and um we've got a really good relationship with butterworth and son so we can sometimes you know get involved in events with them um we sort of support the coffee farmers so we helped out a women's cooperative in Guatemala last year by donating some money from each coffee sale over a period of time. And that's something we'll like do again this year. Um, and really just they're so supportive. So with, you know, sometimes equipment, 
you know that's a huge thing in you know running a coffee shop you want we want the very best equipment in our coffee shop and um so we need all the help in keeping that well maintained or you know serviced as well or if there's anything that goes wrong you want it fixed straight away <laughs> so <laughs> butterworth has been amazing as well through that so do you, do you have one machine because those machines are just phenomenal um so if anything happens with that one machine it's ugh, chaos yeah we have um a very beautiful um custom machine at st peter's street which is uh, a brand color of ours which is a, our brand purple um so that is a lamazocco kb90 and um, it's got all sorts of things that help us as baristas to work in the most efficient way um, and produce the best tasting coffee as well. And at Applaud Crown, we have a Lamazocco Linear PB, which is the good classic coffee machine. And it's the yeah best Italian brand coffee machine, super reliable and consistent. Um, and we love we love using it. That's, I, I just love the fact that you can get so excited about a coffee machine. It's just fantastic. <laughs> it, it's, it's great. Um, so again, do you um, do you use the same um, type of coffee for all your coffee drinks? Yeah, so we chose the four bean blend with Butterworth. It has um, four beans from different um, coffee farms and origins. So we've got um, Peru, Guatemala, Colombia and Ethiopia all in that four bean blend um, and it, it's just so smooth it's really easy drinking um, and it works great as an espresso but also with milk so that was really crucial for us to get a blend that was going to work well for both um, and then we use so we use that for all our espresso based drinks on our menu and then we offer a filter coffee as well which is through our batch brewer and we choose single origin coffees um, to brew through that. And then we can change that coffee sort of monthly. We order different coffees from Butterworths. Um, so we might try out an Ethiopian or Guatemala, um, a Colombian coffee, etc. So we just get to really like try out the different flavors. Um, so we get quite a few customers who are, you know, black coffee drinkers who are wanting to try out um, and you can taste so, so many different flavours. Um, it's a little bit like wine tasting. So um, with coffee tasting, you'll have like a flavour wheel um, and there's so many flavours that come off that. Um, some are savoury, some are sweet, some are citrus, you know, chocolate. Um, uh, the Ethiopian coffees are really, really fruity and floral. Uh, and then you've got the Colombians, which are a little bit more nutty. So there's so many different flavours to try. Yeah, I can imagine how you, you can get so interested in the whole subject. It's fantastic. This might be something that you aren't prepared for, but I'm going to ask you anyway. So do you know what's the best-selling coffee on your menu? As in, you know, how many, how many people on average come in and order, you know, X? And what about on the, um, on the food side of things? What's the most popular choice? Coffee-wise, I'd say it has to be the flat white. Mm. In terms of lunch or food, um, we've recently put on a new sandwich, which is very popular, and that's halloumi, avocado, and our homemade um, chilli jam. So that's a very popular item. In terms of cake, what would you say? 
It's got to be either the chocolate and Guinness cake or courgette lime and pistachio, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Well, that sounds great. Uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry, it's just because you were talking in so much detail about the coffee. I just had to have that address. So, yeah, thank you. What is it about, just on, on an aside, what is it about flat white that has suddenly become, you know, what, in the last three years or four years or something, the espresso drink to have? I think because uh, speciality coffee has been new to, you know, East Anglia as such, or, you know, it's finally come and the more you drink coffee the less milk you start to need mm. so you actually can you know you kind of want it a bit stronger because you get used to it um so most coffee drinkers you know if you're not particularly into it might start with drinking a latte which is quite milky so that's one shot usually um with steamed milk um, but then the more you get to drink that you're kind of wanting a little bit less milk so you want to be tasting the coffee a little bit more you want to feel that hit you know, if you feel you just waking up and you want that caffeine, you want to actually be able to taste the coffee. So the flat white is traditionally served in a six ounce cup. So it's short. Um, and then therefore the ratio of coffee to milk um, is so much like literally almost half and half. So you've got a double ristretto base with steamed milk on top. So you, it's really punchy. Um, but you've just still got that edge of sweetness with the milk. So it's really, really delicious. Yeah, well, very good. So we're just going to take a step back now because they were talking food and we need to take a step back. So you started in St. Peter Street in 2013. But then another opportunity presented itself a few years later. Do you, do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, so in what year would it have been? 2018. 2018 the management company who ran Crown House on Crown Street, they approached us uh, as a ind local independent coffee shop because they were looking to put a coffee shop on the ground floor of their office building. So they'd approached us and a couple of other coffee shops about this idea. And then we all had to pitch to them how we would set up and run the coffee shop there. So we did that and we were actually chosen as the ones to go and do it. And yeah, it was definitely an opportunity that came our way because we hadn't been considering opening a second business. So it was not not necessarily in our plans that we went for it. There must have been a lot of challenges to, to opening that because you're sort of doubling what you're doing, but not on site. So you can't use the same staff to be twice as busy. Um, how, how did you deal with that? The key thing for us was to find someone that could run that site for us. So we did headhunt someone to do that. And I think that was a big step for us that gave us the confidence to go ahead and do it. We found that person. They were living in Norwich at the time, actually. So they came and relocated for the job. Because there were delays there with that site as well, quite a lot of delays, actually, we ended up having that person train at St. Peter Street for a longer period of time than planned but in hindsight that worked for the benefit because she was then you know really well trained up in all our procedures and you know Beth had trained her to the standard of the coffees that we needed so yeah I think that gave us a lot of confidence though having that per the right person to run the site. Team at Crown House they come up with their food like similar to how we do at St Peter Street they do the same with them their menus so they change it fairly regularly and they're coming up with new ideas 
you know, they're creating food items that cater for vegans, vegetarians, meat eaters, and they have some really great flavor combinations going on at Crown House. One of their newest items is a, is a pulled jackfruit brioche bun with a zingy slaw, and that is all vegan. Uh, so that's been going down really well at Crown House over the last month. And then they also do make all their own homemade cakes as well. So chocolate brownies, funfetti vanilla cake, a chunky monkey loaf, which is peanut butter, banana and chocolate. At both sites, we have very small kitchens. So we've become really good at using small spaces well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for some reason, I just had it in my mind that you wouldn't be able to have that. Um, capacity at uh, Crown House but the fact that yeah you've got a, a kitchen that you produce your own goods there is yeah. is amazing it's tiny I wouldn't even call it a kitchen we have an oven oh <laughs> that's incredible to produce all of that um and, and then I guess not long after you opened there well I suppose what 18 months or so then you know you then add the challenges of Covid to to deal with not just there but in, in both locations how how did that impact across the business as a whole yeah so obviously when the lockdown came we had to initially close both sites and then over that period of time where things could then open again perhaps as takeaway only and that kind of thing we trialed out different things the crown house site remained closed for the whole period because that wasn't what well, because it was in an office building and obviously office workers were very much working from home Whereas at St. Peter's Street, we did have a period of time where we opened for takeaway only. But um, to be honest, the costs of doing that were more than the income coming in. So we couldn't sort of keep that up. We gave it a good go, but it just wasn't viable. But I guess over that time, whilst the doors weren't open, Beth and I spent a lot of time behind the scenes of the business and were reorganising things a little bit working on our vision and values. And over that time as well, we also set up to launch whole cake collection orders on our website. So we now have about 15 of our whole cakes available for people to purchase from our website. And that's been pretty popular over the last couple of months, hasn't it? People sort of order them for birthdays or special occasions, Mother's Day, that kind of thing. Yeah, so just thinking that through, how you, you basically had, I suppose, in the lead up to COVID, fewer people going into offices and business levels probably falling, I'm assuming, at, at Crown House. And there was obvious that something was on its way. And then to the point where everybody had to close. And then you were then looking at, well, what could you do for the community um, through, you know, selling from the door and, and, and just changing the business model. But yeah, I guess the costs are the same to an extent, whether, you know, however many um, people you're able to have inside or whether you serve on the door. So that's quite a challenge to work through. Yeah, yeah. I think because in a coffee shop, the margins on products aren't huge. So you do really need to be busy to make it sustainable. And over lockdown, obviously, just the footfall was not there to make it a viable op option. And it's a lot of work, you know, that goes into if you're going to think about changing your model. <laughs> um for a short period of time mm. um there's a lot of work that goes into that so it was really challenging the the chopping and changing of the different restrictions and we're closed now we're open we're open but we can't do this and we can do that the communication that was involved the training that was involved 
and the paperwork, the admin, the, the furlough admin, you know, all of that was very, very time consuming um, and obviously just exhausting, really. Yeah, very much so. So when were you able to open completely without restrictions last summer sometime? Well, there was that period of time, wasn't there? I think it was like between October and December where it opened up for a little while. Um, yeah. So it's Peter Street. I remember that between that time, October and December, I think we were open fully during that time. And, and as soon as we opened our doors, you know, everyone came back. Um, and then, of course, it was closed again from January. To April, I think. January mm. to April, I think, yeah. Crown obviously was different because in being in an office building... The stay-at-home guidance was, you know, well, it's only really kind of starting to gradually come back even now. Mm. And obviously just the culture of that is still very different to what it was pre-COVID. So the kind of the flexible working hours and the three days a week from home and two days in the office, it's all changed, it changed a lot. So we're kind of still seeing a very, very slow return on that at Crown even now. Um, and yeah. I think that's kind of it's hard trying to remember all the chops and changes it is isn't it yeah sorry as i asked the question i thought i can't even remember <laughs> came out okay yeah no that's great but um what what came across there though is when you uh reopened in St. Peter street uh, it seems like you know it was almost like nothing's happened everything's back again and people are busy and want to come and use your services and and so on um which is great news yeah, we have such a lovely, loyal following of customers, which, you know, we've really built up relationships with those people because a lot of them have been coming to see us for the last, well, it'll be nine years this year. So I think we just have so much connection with them and they have so much connection and passion for our business as well. They just support us so well, which is really lovely. And that's um, given rise to you being entered in a number of awards, I understand. Yeah, so our most recent award that we've been nominated for is for the most notable coffee shop in the UK Coffee Awards. So we just found out about a month ago that we'd been nominated for that. Uh, so we are up against coffee shops from Brighton, Edinburgh, London. And the first stage was to be nominated. And then the second stage was a public vote. So we were trying to get all our customers to vote for us as much as we could. And we are just waiting to hear now how we've done on that because it's the top three from that round that then go to the finals in London at the London Coffee Festival in April. So it won't be, you must be hearing fairly soon on that. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, oh, that's amazing to get into that sort of, uh, that amount of recognition for something in, uh, in Suffolk and, you know, only nine years old is, is amazing. Yeah, we're really proud to have been nominated because I think the consistency of the high quality is something we really strive for in our business. And it, like Beth mentioned earlier, it takes a lot of hard work to keep it all consistent because, you know, all your team members, you need them to be all producing the same level of coffee and the customer service. And we do have a brilliant team that work so hard and are really passionate as well about producing the very best that we can. So it's, I think as a team, we're just really thrilled to have even been, to got this far with it. And yeah, it'd be amazing if we could actually be in the top three or even go on to win it. We'll just have to see. That's amazing. 
But just one other thing is to just talk me through within the uh, values that you have within the business is concerned about the community. Um, I'm, I'm interested in that because I think that's something that does seem to come through with many successful businesses that they're not just considering profit. They do look at their purpose. So talk me through why, why that matters to you and, and how that manifests itself. Yeah, so con like contributing to the community is something we're really passionate about. And um, so we we do afternoon tea at Applaud and we thought it would be nice to offer afternoon tea to an elderly community. So we've linked up um, with Shepherd Drive Church and elderly people can come along um, for free for that, turn up and enjoy a lovely afternoon tea. So we do that um, three or four, four times a year. We make all the sandwiches, scones and cakes in our kitchen at Applaud and then go and deliver it to the elderly community and yeah, serve up afternoon tea to them and just chat with them and yeah, spend a bit of time with them really. That must be great because uh, I guess one of the key purposes of coffee shops is to encourage people to communicate and mm -hmm. to share time with each other. And if people don't have that opportunity, then for you to facilitate that by providing the food and the drink is amazing. Yeah, I think for some of those people, it is literally the highlight of their month, you know, the, the afternoon tea that they get to enjoy with other people. And yeah, I think it means a lot to them. And especially to get such a good quality one as well. <laughs> a professional one. We always rave about the cakes, which is lovely. Oh, yeah. yeah, I can well imagine. I think in, um, through lockdown, we were able to do drop-offs as well. So we did some inboxes and um, we actually had, you know, a, few, a bit of feedback from a couple of the elderly people. And it was so lovely to hear what a difference that made for them over that season where they hadn't seen anyone or, you know, just to have that lovely box arrive with food for them to enjoy they were super happy weren't they yeah I'm sure you you, you made people's day um, and again I think a lot of that it was just recognition for people who didn't see anyone or hear from anyone just to have that contact and to know that someone really cared how do you see things developing from here we have ideas so I think we've always got ideas to be honest and I guess it's always just thinking through those things and seeing what ones, yeah, do we really want to take forward? So we've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years, really with our team working on developing their skills as well. And like giving them new opportunities, um, helping them to grow in their roles. Cause that's something we're also really passionate about is, you know, developing other people as well. So, one of our supervisors at St. Peter Street actually started off as an apprentice with us. So she, well, she started off first of all on a Saturday, and just as a Saturday, actually, clearing tables and washing up, then became an apprentice and then became a barista. And now over the last year became a supervisor. So one area that we've really focused on is, yeah, how we can grow our team well. And then I guess in terms of the future, there's, as I say, there's always other ideas but obviously the, the one thing we know that when the mistakes can happen, sometimes when people try to grow too quickly or there's, they try to you know, get another site and then you lose the consistency at the site before. And so as Hannah mentioned, our passion is the pro like product quality and the consistency and having a team that enjoy what they do. We want our team to be happy as well. 
Um, so it's, it's, you know, that's something to consider when you're thinking about growth as well, is not losing sight of what you've already got. Yeah. Mm. Would that be your main tip for somebody who's thinking of starting a business now? Or would there be other things that you've learned along the way that you would say that's the most important thing? What would be your number one little lesson learned if you're starting out right from the very beginning then as much research as possible and just like we did like go and try and speak to people who are doing what you're doing you know even you know paying them for their time for their consultancy is so invaluable to do that to do as much research as you can before you even open your doors that's my tip Beth I don't know it's probably the same that's something Hannah and I have even done recently with a few people um that are in the Suffolk area um we have had inquiries for people asking for some consultancy and some training work so we've been happy to obviously help with that and pass on some knowledge um but it is that is the most crucial step because then you're learning from someone else's knowledge you know their experiences um, and that is really, really valuable. And it's something we actually still do ourselves. Like we just recently um, had some time with an owner in Bristol, a coffee shop owner in Bristol. Over lockdown, we did a Zoom call with a bakery owner in Edinburgh. Like we've, we're always kind of like keeping our connections and just keeping those conversations open and learning from other people, I think. That's so important. First of all, being willing to learn, constantly learn and not think that you can always just carry on, rest on your laurels. Yeah. That's that's really, really important. And also like what you say there about um, just speaking with other business owners. Um, I think that's actually where Suffolk is amazing because people are very collaborative and they're willing to talk and share and uh, you know pass on new ideas and um, yeah, generally support each other. I think that's where Suffolk is fantastic. Yeah, we've actually just started a leadership collective at Accord, which launched this week. And that is bringing together small business owners to have those conversations. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's great when you can have those conversations and help each other because you all kind of have the same things going on, just slightly different. So it's a good way to support each other. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, don't, don't stop learning, though. I think that's um, key to what you were just saying. So. Fantastic. Well, it's been brilliant to talk to you both. And thank you for sparing some time, especially on your day off. Um, it's been very, very kind of you. But just amazing to see not just the popularity of what you do in the locality, but how it's been noticed further afield. And yeah, I wish you every success with your with your awards. Hope, hope that all comes through. That'd be great. Thank you. So I'm indebted to Hannah and Beth for their time and uh, please accept my apologies if uh, due to the early time of the morning that we were recording that you may have heard my stomach rumble. Um, but yes, thank you for uh, listening to today's episode of the Suffolk Money Podcast supported by Kingsfleet Wealth. As ever, I'm indebted to the great team who do all the work behind the scenes. So for Joy Day, who ensures that everything is uploaded into the cloud and that 
you're able to listen to that in whichever podcast provider you use. And then to Sally Birch for making the bookings and for Kevin Birch for carrying out uh, the editing on the recording and uh, for making it all sound so wonderful. So I'm hugely indebted to the three of them for all the work that they do to keep the show on the road. Please do ensure that you subscribe with the podcast provider of your choice and that will always ensure that you're notified when a new podcast is uploaded. So thank you once again for joining us. We hope that you'll be with us in our next presentation.